Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, once again, good morning. It is good to see everyone here this morning and to have you in our presence. Um, I hope that you have had a good weekend thus far, and I hope that this is the start of what is going to be a great week for you. Um, if you will, open your Bibles back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be through our time together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin with um, the beginning here of, of chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Some things that uh, aren't necessarily, or one thing in particular is not necessarily tied to our lesson, but something that I think is very valuable for us to maybe let our hearts meditate on for a few moments. He begins in chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, Therefore, Paul's talking here, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. And, and, and that has nothing to do with the, 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 the conversation that we're going to have with this text today, but it's something I think that is so important for us as Christians in a time of, of so much uncertainty, okay? In a time of so much uncertainty that there's questions about how to handle every situation in the, in that you come upon right now and safety concerns and these things. Sin did a great job of praying for those things this morning. Uh, it is a time that it's easy to let uncertainty creep in to our life, and uncertainty sometimes causes us to lose heart, causes us to lose focus, causes us to, to, to just not want to do the things that we've always done. And what I mean by that is by serving okay, not letting that be our focus. The devil, one of the devil's greatest tools, one of the devil's greatest tools is a word called distractions. Distractions. Distractions in and of themselves are not always evil or bad or sinful. Distractions can be things that are good. Distractions can be things that we enjoy. But sometimes those distractions pull us off focus just enough. It doesn't even pull us bad off focus. It just takes us from we're moving in this direction to where our focus shifts just enough that God's still in the peripherals, okay? He's still there. We still see Him, but He's not what we're focused on. And when we're not focused on Him, that tends to cause us sometimes to become discouraged, to maybe become a little depressed, to, to focus on the negative and be distracted from the good and the blessings that are coming our way out. Listen, I can't help but think that, okay, yeah, we've 2020, if we, if we took a poll and said, who's ready for 2020 to be over, most everybody would say, me, let's let 2020 be over. Not that all of a sudden on January 1st, 2021, it's all going to be you know, kumbaya, okay? I mean, we're not, we're not that naive, right? But I want you to think about our church family for just a few moments. Think about our church family for just a few moments. We've had, in the last several months, we've had two marriages that have started. We've had engagements that have happened. We're seeing families begin, okay? We're, we, we, we've got, we've got some, some church members that have become grandparents, just in the last month, and it's, it's, it's such a, a blessing, right? 
And, and I think about those moments as a church family. And you know, what's the song? Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry, right? We, we, we have moments that, that we should be rejoicing with our church families right now and realize that as, as easy as it could be to get distracted by all the things that are going on, God is still blessing us. Amen? Let's, let's try that again. That's, that's like God's still blessing us. I mean, like, yeah, okay. God's still blessing us. Amen? That's right. And Paul is so familiar with distractions. Paul is so familiar with reasons that he could have been discouraged and depressed. And what does he say here? He says that our ministry is, is about the mercy we have through Jesus. It's about his grace. It's about his love. It's about all these things. And he says because of that, what's the end of the... We do not lose what? We do not lose heart. And I think that's something, if, if, if you don't get anything else this morning, if you don't pay attention to anything else the rest of the morning, that's, that's fine. But underline that. We do not lose heart. We are a blessed group of people. And yes, we're facing challenges. Every generation, every group, every church has their challenges. But don't let us lose heart. Let us keep our focus where it needs to be so that we can overcome those moments of challenges and so that we can recognize those moments of blessings. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I think it's important for us to maybe put our mind in that place. So let's read this whole section together now. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deceptions, nor do we distort the Word of God, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now, keep paying attention here. This is where we're really going to key in. The God of this age, talking about Satan, little g, okay? The God of this age has blinded the minds of believers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Okay, so Paul is making some analogies here. And the first thing that I want you to realize this morning is that the light of God is so powerful and so mighty and so important in our life and, and without the light of God, there is, there is nothing that we could really have in a positive way in our life. Without, without all, the, you know, all these blessings, hey, that, that's the light of God, all right? And so he, he's, he's given us this analogy saying, look, so he's like, I want everybody to realize that what we're doing is not about me. It's not about me. It's about God. Now, we have a tendency sometimes, we have a tendency sometimes to, to want things to be about me, right? To want, when we walk into this room, okay, so I used to have this, this phrase, um, and, and, and I'm going to have to come up with a new phrase because of these masks that we're wearing. You know, we have a tendency of putting on our church mask and not this mask, but maybe this mask will help you remember that from here on out. But we have a tendency to put on our church mask 
when we come into this building. I use, and I've used this illustration, you've heard me probably use it before, and when I use it at the 9 o'clock service, it's not as, um, not as uh, effective because they don't come to church with a bunch of kids. But, you know, if you don't have kids, you're not that far removed from little kids in your life, maybe. But how many of you have gotten ready on a Sunday morning with your kids, and you fussed all the way, I mean, you fussed about getting ready, you fussed out the door, okay? You fussed all the way to the church building, and you fussed all the way to the door of the church building. You ever had those Sunday mornings? You know, so easy like Sunday morning, right? Whoever wrote that song never had four kids, never went to church, never. And you walk in the door, and the door opens. Oh, Brother Matthew, how are you this morning? I'm great. I'm just blessed to be here. I, it's just such a wonder. Praise the Lord that we made it. You know. Here's what, we, here's what we do. I want you to follow with me this morning. A lot of times we want our Christianity to look like, look, at, look like this pot, this bowl. This is one of Blair's bowls. I'm going to hold it for a minute, and then I'm going to put it down because I want it to remain one of Blair's bowls. Um, but this bowl sitting out on a table is pretty all by itself, right? This is that church mask bowl. But it really doesn't matter what goes on inside of this bowl because the bowl in and of itself is what? Pretty and decorative. And a lot of times if we're not careful, we become a pretty decorative Christian bowl that we want people to see us. We want people to think everything's great. We want think, people to think everything's wonderful and that our life is just perfect. We're all decorated the way we need to be. So when we walk in that door, we put that church mask on and we become this pretty painted bowl. And Paul says in this passage, he goes, I don't want anybody to think that it's about me. I don't want anybody to think that it's about what I say and what I do. Matter of fact, Paul's going to go on later in another text and he's going to say, because of my weakness, through my weakness, Christ becomes elevated. Christ becomes strong. Christ is what it's all about. It's not about what I look like. We have to be careful in our life to not be this decorative bowl. That, that's the first truth this morning, that God did not create me to be a decoration. God didn't create me to look pretty on a pew on Sunday morning. Rather, God made me to contain something valuable. Now, which is the prettiest bowl? Which is the prettiest bowl? Raise your hand if it's this one. Okay, for those of you that think it's this one, you're not going to get to vote, okay? Because this is, this is the right answer. Now, let me ask you this. Which is the prettiest bowl? Which is the most important bowl? Which bowl do you want to take home today? Stacy's over there going, this one, this one. Why? Because of what's in it. You see, that's what Christ has created us for. And, and that is what Paul is trying to get across in this passage this morning. Is he's saying, look, we have been created not to be pretty, not to be gorgeous. Okay, We have been created to contain something. 
Now, I want you in your minds, in, in, your, in your mental Bible, I want you to go with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, because in 2 Kings chapter 2, there's a story from the life of Elisha, and Elisha's uh, friend, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter, let's say 2, chapter 4, Elisha's friend has died, and he leaves behind a, a, a wife and two kids. So now all of a sudden there's this widow, all right, and she's got these kids, and there's all these debts, and there's this challenge in life, okay? She's facing one of those challenging moments that we're all familiar with, that we're somewhat living right now, that her life has been turned upside down. She doesn't know how to deal with it. She doesn't know what she's going to do. Elisha comes and talks with her and visits with her, and she says, Elisha, all these debts have to be paid. This is the Matthew remix here, okay? Follow me. And she says, I don't know what to do. And he goes, what do you have in the house? Of any value at all, what do you have in the house? And what was her response? Do you remember? I have this little bottle of oil. Just this, this little pot of oil. He goes, okay, send your boys out. Have them collect all the pots in the neighborhood, in the town, and bring them back, start filling them up. And as they're filled up, take them and sell them. And that's going to be how you're going to survive. That's where your money's going to come from. And so the boys go out and they gather all the pots. And she starts pouring this little bit of oil that she has. And when does the oil finally run out? When what? The last pot is full. I believe in every miracle there is a parable to be taught. And for us this morning, the parable that we draw from that particular story is a very important one. That our job, our life, and this happens at the moment of your salvation, that when you are baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you become a vessel, you become a clay pot for the purpose of God, and your job is to then be filled with what? Acts 2.38 says we're filled with who? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We are vessels for God and for His Spirit. And it's important for us to live our life like a treasure or like a jar that contains this important treasure, this light of Christ. Now, it's important for us in our life to try to let this light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I may not have a big light, but if I have a little light, I have to let it shine. Now, here's another truth I want you to follow with with me this morning. I can never successfully imitate Jesus, but I can contain and display the life of Christ in me. I can never successfully imitate him. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. One reason is because of his power, okay? the power he had through the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus is asleep in a boat one night, and there's a storm going on, and his, his disciples come up to him, and they're scared they're going to what? They're going to drown. He said, they said, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus stands up, and what does he do? He gets to the front of the boat, and in three words, hey, I have seen, I have seen some teachers with this same power that can hush a room in three words, you know. Jesus goes, quiet or peace, be still. And I've always wondered, we, I've always wondered if that was majestic or if that was groggy just woke up voice. You know, I, that's, that's, that's on my list of questions when I get to heaven. How did you, because we like to think peace, but you know, this big, I think it was, you woke me up, I was asleep, like everybody be quiet. Everything got calm. We can't, we, we don't have that power, so we can't imitate that. I think another problem we have sometimes with imitating Jesus is Jesus tend to do things completely opposite from what we would have thought he had done, would do. And so, 
this guy comes and he says, hey, Jesus, I, I, want, to, um, I want to follow you. You know, and he says, hey, unless you hate your what? Father and mother, you, you can't follow me. Hey, unless you sell all your possessions, you can't follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Don't worry about them. You, you just worry. Jesus had this kind of upside down teaching that was like, that, that I think in our own minds at times we look at, we go, what? hate my mom and dad? If that's what it takes to follow you. So sometimes it's hard to truly imitate him. But in the best of our ability, we have to let him shine throughout us. That brings us to our, our, our next pot and, and our last pot. Kind of a pot or container is this. A broken one. Brighton cheats. He was here already. It's a broken one. What, what do we tend to do with broken things? What do we do with them? Throw them away. Why do we throw them away, David? We don't think they have a use anymore. I mean, really, okay, if, if, I've got to fill, if I've got to fill up a jar or a pot or something with water, I've got these three pots up around here, which one am I not going to use? Is this going to hold any water whatsoever? No. So we have a tendency of looking at things, and when they're broken, we see them as devalued. They're not worth anything to most people. Now, there's a sum of you out there that if it's broken, you still hold on to it because maybe one day you'll fix it or... It might have something in it that might fix something else later. You know, there's some of you that need to go to counseling about stuff like that this morning, but we're not going to talk about you anymore. As Christians, as children of God, we are called not to just be useful pots filled with something. Christ says, you're most valuable to me when you're broken. You're most valuable to me when you're broken. So as Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, at the beginning of chapter um, 1, or at the end of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, he makes this statement. And, and, and these two things really do link together. He says in verse 26 through 39, Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. He's saying as Christians, not many of you were this growing up. As people, you weren't fancy. You weren't. You didn't have all the nobility that came along with with a name. You 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 were you were kind of the 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 the, the people that were lesser than everybody else, or at least that's how they looked at you. And he says, "But God chose the foolish things of the world, and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him." Paul got that. Paul said, I've got a thorn in my flesh, and that right there keeps me humble. And he's saying, as children of God, our job is to not be this. Our job is to be broken and humble before Jesus and to let his light shine through that because a cracked pot reveals more of God's light. A cracked pot reveals more of God's light. One of my favorite judges of the Old Testament is Gideon. Gideon basically describes himself as the runt of Israel. 
Okay? An angel comes to him one day, and an angel looks at him and calls him something. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. But as he responds to the angel, he looks at the angel. He says, I'm of the least tribe of Israel, the least clan of my tribe, the least family, and of my family, I'm the least. He's like, I'm the run. There's nobody lower than me in all of Israel. But now when the angel of God came to him and introduced himself, how, what, what's the first thing that he calls Gideon? Do you remember? He says, you mighty warrior. So on one hand, Gideon goes, I'm the runt of Israel. And the angel of the Lord goes, no, you're a mighty warrior in God. Why the difference? Because the angel knew that in that humility, God would shine through. God would be the one that is seen. And so later on, as Gideon kind of goes through this process of, of trying to figure out his faith and gain trust in God, Gideon eventually becomes the leader. He becomes the mighty warrior. He becomes the leader of the nation of Israel or of the army of Israel. And they're going to go attack the Midianites, and he puts his army together. Now, let's think about military strategy for a moment. If you're fixing to go to war and you're fixing to go into battle, logic tells you that you want to take the most men with you that you can, right? The guy with the biggest army usually has the best chance of, of winning, especially when most of your battling, like in this time, is more hand-to-hand -hand combat than it is standing back and pushing a button and making sure we hit our target. Now, he brings his army of 32,000 soldiers, and what does God say? Look at this great army. Is that what he says? What's God's response? Too many. At which point I probably feel the same way as Gideon. Too what? Too, too many? He goes, yeah, send some of them home. So what does he do? He shows up and he says, okay, look, if any of you are too scared to fight, you can go home. That's when Matthew leaves. Like, yeah, that's me. Bye. I am gone. All right? So he's, he's, he's down to 22,000 men. What does God still say? Too many. Too many. So he has them do something else, and he gets down to where there's 300 men left. And God goes, hey, that's a great number. Why does God say that's a great number? He says, so that when you are triumphant, when you win, everybody's going to know that it's because of me and not because of you. And so Gideon gets all of his men together, and he gives them their battle gear. Their battle gear consists of three things. Do you remember what they were? A trumpet, a torch, and a what? A clay pot. And they lit that torch and they put it in that clay pot so that you couldn't see it. And when nightfall came, they surrounded this village. And when uh, Gideon gave the order, they started blowing their trumpets. Can you imagine 300 trumpets blowing at one time surrounding you? And they break their clay pots. And there's this explosion of light. But here's the parable in the story. The light was never seen until what was broken? The pots. And as Christians, you know, we can be full of a lot of stuff. This is probably my favorite bowl in the whole house at home. This is my favorite bowl in the whole house at home. You know why? There is one thing that gets made in this bowl at the house. You know what it is? Not breakfast, do, not cake, even better. 
Blair's banana pudding. Blair's banana pudding. It's good, isn't it, Patty? It's good. Blair's banana pudding is made in this bowl because it's big enough to hold all of it. But you know, even though it's containing something, if it's wrapped up, got aluminum foil on it, you still can't see the goodness in it. As children of God, unless we become humble and broken, and let's just be real. We've all got problems, don't we? We've all got issues. We've all got challenges. We've all got temptations that we deal with every single day that we try to overcome. We all have moments where sin wins. Hey, you know, last week, last week we talked about, I mean, this is just point in case. Last week we talked about sin having a chocolate chip cookie addiction. And Shay sent me a message that he had gone and bought a bunch of chips ahoy. I told him, chocolate chip anonymous meets on Tuesday. We all have those things that we struggle with, right? It seems like no matter how hard we fight, Satan knows that's what he's going to give into. So I'm just going to come back at it. It's okay to be broken. Your brokenness does not, does not mean you're weak, okay? It just means that you've got a greater capacity to let God's light shine out of you. A lot of times we look, as our, look at our mistakes as hindrances. God looks at our mistakes as a way for you to serve, as a way for you to minister. He says, you take those experiences, don't let them define you in a negative light. If you've struggled with addiction, then you start an addiction ministry. Okay, because you understand that. If you've had a miscarriage, you start a ministry that, that, that ministers to young ladies who also have had miscarriages. All right, there, there, there's are things that make us weak and broken. They don't define us in a negative way. They break us so that Christ can shine everywhere that we go. So this morning, if you think that your brokenness is a negative thing, turn it around and realize that that's how Christ's light shines out of you. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then we'll have a thought of invitation. God, we thank you for today. And we thank you for the love that you give us, the mercy that you give us, the forgiveness that you give us, so that when we do fall, when we do fail, God, we can allow those moments to mold us and to turn us into greater servants for you. Help us to not allow our brokenness to stop us and slow us down, but to meet motivation to serve. Let it define our our ministry in your kingdom, God. God, I just thank you for today and the opportunity to share this, this passage of Scripture from your, from your word. May it encourage us. May it strengthen us. May we grow closer to you through trying to live this passage in our life. Thank you for Jesus, God. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the blessings that you've showered upon us. Help us to keep our focus on those things and to not be discouraged. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. 
We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.